There's a lot of things in this old world That just do not make sense Like why there's so few believers on the firing line While so many others sit the fence But if you want to know where the word of God stands And believe it wants to use your feet and hands It's time to take your faith out of the seats And into the streets And come along with me If you'll only look Then you will see On WCN-TV Welcome back to WCN-TV. I'm your host, Rob Pugh, for today, and today is Tuesday, December 7th, 2021. Uh, Notably, 80 years ago today, America was attacked by a foreign enemy, which led to the U.S. entering World War II. I was blessed several years ago to be able to visit the USS Arizona Memorial in Pearl Harbor. We have some photos there I'd like to show. It's a memorial honoring the heroic men and women who gave their lives for freedom here in our country and around the world. Today, if you visit the Arizona Memorial, you'll need to wear a mask, whether you've been fully vaxxed or not. I dare say, if you ask most high school or college kids nowadays what happened on December 7th, 1941, you'll get the old deer-in-the-headlights blank stare because they're not taught real history anymore. But nearly 2,400 American service members and civilians were killed in Pearl Harbor on this day in 1941, as I said, 80 years ago today. 2,341 were service members, almost half of them. 1,177 died on board the USS Arizona. 1,102 of them are still aboard the sunken ship buried at sea. Sadly, today, the U.S. is no longer the home of the brave and the land of the free. We've lost a lot of our freedoms over the decades, and many of them in just the past few years. Because too many Americans seem to be either completely apathetic and asleep or fearful and compliant as they submit to absolute tyranny. It didn't happen all at once. It happened incrementally, and today we're living under unbelievable tyranny by our own federal government, and its overreaching on constitutional actions. In 1941, we were fighting a foreign enemy. Today, we're fighting domestic enemies on many fronts. I'm amazed at how many people have bought into the pandemic of COVID-19 and all that's associated with that. By the way, I'm pretty sure that I was the one that actually uh, was the first to use that term, pandemic. It was pretty easily uh, figured out once I learned about Event 201. Um, I said it first in March of 2020. But uh, since then, I've been studying, researching, writing, doing radio commentaries, TV shows, exposing all the lies from the government and health officials here in the U.S. and around the world. It's been a nonstop push toward global totalitarianism. I feel for the people of Australia, Austria, Canada other places that have it worse than we do. America may be the last country to fall to the new world order, but unless we step it up a few notches right now and continue to push back and expose the lies that permeate every area of our society, America will fall. The problem is that now truth is being heavily censored and canceled from our national dialogue. The mainstream media, social media, Hollywood, and internet search engines are all in collusion along with big pharma and big government, most of the big corporations in this country, and things are so bad right now that those who dare to even have thoughts that go contrary to the official narrative and talking points of this scam are now considered domestic terrorists. I get a ton of emails and phone calls. I get more than my share of hate mail from people 
telling me the information I publish and broadcast is nothing more than conspiracy theory nonsense. I can promise you there is a conspiracy, but it's far from a theory. In fact, our guest today is going to give you some absolute proof on all this once and for all. We have a great guest today. Dr. Brian Artis is passionate about exposing corruption within the medical system and the goons pulling the strings behind the curtain of the Great Reset. Dr. Artis focuses on medical freedom, education, and waking up the world with the truth. I think we're going to get along just fine. We also have Doug Hagman of the Hagman Report on deck to help us out today. Thanks, Doug. By the way, I'm wearing a tie because I didn't want to look like a slacker next to you, and now you're not wearing a tie. <laughs> What's the deal? <laughs> uh, you know, it was, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I've got nothing. Okay. All right. We'll let you off the hook this time. All right. I, I think you're going to enjoy this. Dr. Artis, welcome to WCN-TV, and thank you for joining us. You're very welcome, and thank you, Doug, for not wearing a tie, so I fit in. <laughs> hey, you look good. You all look good. <laughs> Y'all have more hair than I do, so I can't, I got nothing. <laughs> so let's start by uh, introducing uh, Dr. Artis to our audience. If you would, tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and how you got involved in all this. Sure. Yeah, a lot of, uh, thanks for having me on the show. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to learn who actually coined the phrase pandemic. That was me. That was you. I just yep. learned. Before the famous guy, whoever that was, that wrote the book. <laughs> And then uh, Mickey Willis made a documentary, right? Plandemic with Judy Mikovits, right? Yeah. Documentary series. And, yeah. But uh, anyway, I really appreciate the opportunity to speak. It really hasn't uh, really hasn't bothered me. I haven't actually cared what size audience there was. It didn't matter what media outlet it was. Since the middle of May 2020, I have made it my mission to be on as many platforms as possible to try to warn, educate, and then bring relevant information that can help you make an informed decision to understand really what the plan is behind the decisions being made around COVID-19. So COVID-19 is just a front. It's just a propaganda marketed huge attempt to try to control the masses uh, and then orchestrate through hospital protocols what looks to be like a deadly virus going throughout the country here in the United States. And they needed the United States as the focal point early on of this pandemic to be able to use statistics showing that in hospitals, patients were dying. And then Anthony Fauci and our federal health agencies like the NIH, the CDC, the FDA, were going to just flood all of our mass media with statistics of individuals dying in the hospitals, blaming those deaths on an unseen virus so they could scare everybody into believing that they needed to sign up for a vaccine to protect themselves. This was the entire agenda from the beginning. Well, as I've said, I believe that COVID was made for the shot, not the other way around. It wasn't the shot made for COVID. Absolutely. They had this thing ready to go. There was no warp speed about it. It's been in development for, for years. And I appreciate you showing this up here on the screen. I'm just going to mention something real quick about the Dr. Artist Show. This whole thing launched as a result of me being in the media for the last year and hundreds of thousands of people from around the world contacting me directly on ways to advocate for their loved ones in hospitals. How do you actually get ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine? How do they sift through all the lies that are there? And if you actually scroll back up to my homepage and just show the audiences, I want to show you something. You will see on the navigation bar, it actually says shop to the left, then it says home, clothing, donate, get help, book Dr. Artist. If you'll scroll the little mouse over the get help button, and just show that there's a button. The first thing it says is contact Michelle Routon's team. This is a patient advocacy group that directly works through our site. The contact form, when you click there, this is Michelle Routon. She's got six nurse practitioners, a medical doctor, and lawyers helping her fight the fight in all 50 states here in the United States. Two weeks ago, she added a nurse practitioner in Canada and has her fully trained, where they also have resources in hospitals to get ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine for patients there that they are being denied also. So she is a great resource. That's what's here. If you see the little man icon, I just want to get this out of the way in the beginning. There's a little man icon up there and it says register or sign in. If you register and create a username and password and then sign back in using that username and password, there is a new tab that appears on the navigation bar that does not show up when you were just on the site. <laughs> 
It's only for username and password registrants. When you sign back in between the word home and clothing there on the navigation bar, this new tab appears that's titled resources. It is every document we're going to talk about. It's every research article I talk about. It's every hospital protocol, advocacy information, you name it. COVID protocols for those with vaccines and those who are not vaccinated but shed on by the vaccinated. I'm actually creating a huge resources page with all kinds of all kinds of content and downloadable forms and PDFs for information you can have to protect you and your loved ones because there's a great, great attempt to do a lot of harm to millions of people around the world. And as much as I can stand it, I'm going to actually stand there as a resource for all of you. So this is my intent. I'm not okay with lying and those lies being okay to create harm and physical murder of you and your loved ones. I am not okay with that. So people can lie and it's human behavior to lie to try to protect your reputation and your ego. But I don't know what happened, but in May, 2020, when I figured out the great lie of Anthony Fauci around the drug called remdesivir that was going to be the only used drug in all hospitals in America only for the year of 2020 to handle the worldwide pandemic. Just in this country, we were just going to use remdesivir for the first year of that pandemic. When I knew the lie, I couldn't stand that this man was lying to the entire country and the voice going to the entire world. I couldn't stand the lie because it was going to injure and kill a whole bunch of innocent people. And then I knew he was going to lie about it and call it a death by virus, which it wasn't. It's death by drug poisoning is what it is. And now we stand right now as the only country in the world that has over 800,000 dead treated COVID-19 patients. We're the only ones. Brazil's second. It's got 615,000. Guess what drug they've been using since March 2020? One, sorry, since March 2021. The only drug they're using in hospitals there on all Brazilians since the first week of March of this year is remdesivir. And to help people understand and remember the name, Dr. Ryan Cole from Idaho, we were at a speaking event the other day, and he walks up to me and he goes, I loved when you said on stage the other day in that one conference I saw, you said, in order to remember the name remdesivir, just remember this is how you pronounce it. Run, death is near. This is a very deadly, poisonous, toxic, ineffective drug against any virus ever. But Anthony Fauci selected it to be able to start this pandemic. Because I have to be honest with you, <clears throat> one of the first questions you sent me was, is where did COVID come from and how deadly is it really? All right. So SARS-CoV-2 and the spike proteins on that virus, just so everybody knows, coronaviruses have been around as long as I've been in graduate schools that I'm aware of. I was being tested on coronaviruses back in 2001, two, three, four. These aren't new. Coronaviruses are common cold viruses. We're exposed to them every year. And just so you know, just for some common sense here, this is why it drives us crazy. Us healthcare professionals that know anything about health and viruses of any kind and anything about history. Anyone watching this entire show, the American medical complex and the American pharmaceutical drugs in the 140 years of their establishment, they have never come up with a cure for the common cold. They still don't have a cure for the common cold. And there is no way on the planet that a new common cold virus that was uncovered supposedly in a cave from a bat is now circulating around the world and all of a sudden, this one thing called coronaviruses that are common colds that no one's ever found a cure for and that were never deadly in the first place. <laughs> All of a sudden, there's four pharmaceutical drug companies in seven months, all at the same time, supposedly came up with a cure to stop the spread of this common cold virus called SARS-CoV-2. Really? I mean, really, how many of you actually are falling for this narrative? It has never happened before in our history. There's no way four drug companies got it right. Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, and AstraZeneca did not figure it out. This has been a well-orchestrated plan from the beginning, and they're lying to people around the world about this. So uh, it's been very disgusting. So what did they do? Anthony Fauci, Dr. Francis Collins, the head of the NIH, Anthony Fauci's boss, who has been the head of the National Institutes of Health for the last three presidencies, longest tenured director of the NIH. They have been funding what's called gain-of-function testing 
or gain of function testing on making coronaviruses more infectious and harmful. And how they did it was they were actually manipulating the spike protein that sits on the outside of a coronavirus that makes it look like it's wearing a crown, which is why they call it coronaviruses, common cold viruses. They were able to create by man a gene sequenced spike protein that they added to the virus that made it more infectious. The truth is this was not just the Wuhan lab in China that was doing this. We only gave Wuhan China from the NIH, we only gave them $4 million of our money to do gain of function testing on SARS-CoV-2 viruses. Do you know how much money we gave Ralph Barrick at the UNC University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill? Almost $191 million was pumped into North Carolina by the NIH using our own federal tax dollars to actually fund gain of function testing. Now, it just so happens Ralph Barrick at the University of North Carolina, who's been getting all this money from Anthony Fauci and the NIH for years and years to develop this spike protein to make it dangerous. This actual guy, Ralph Barrick, also sits on the advisory board for Gilead Sciences, the maker of remdesivir. This entire conspiracy just gets worse. All right, so I just want everybody to know. Why did Anthony Fauci have to select remdesivir, run, death is near, this drug? Why did he select this drug, one and only drug? The reason being, from the suggested November 2019 timeframe, where supposedly in China there was five or six occurrences of individuals developing this new pneumonia-like symptom from a SARS-CoV-2 virus, and then it started spreading around the country, around the world. It was reaching the edges of New York and California by May 2020. What they said was in that six months, what Anthony Fauci and the world knew is that this virus that they had actually added a dangerous man-made spike protein to, they created it. This spike protein they added to this virus and then released on the world, it was nowhere near as deadly as they anticipated it to be. So they learned by May, five or six months later, that less than 1% of the entire world was dying from this virus. Well, they have an agenda. The agenda was, we're going to make a whole bunch of people die. We're going to scare a whole bunch of the world with this virus. And then we're going to sell them on a vaccine. But they had something ready to make it look like this virus was really deadly, even if it wasn't. They put in place just insane hospital protocols, medical treatment protocols. First, to excuse all early treatment for the first time ever in any medication or treatment of any kind for any health condition ever. First, they were going to eliminate all options for early treatment, wait for people to get really sick with these respiratory viruses, and then the moment they step into the hospitals, you're going to use one drug and one drug only called remdesivir, which was proven in studies already as late as March of 2020 and December 2019. There was two studies proven that that drug, when you administer it to either Ebola patients with Ebola virus or with... (coughs) or with uh, SARS-CoV-2, COVID-19 virus, you would cause at least in 31% of all people you give that drug to in five to 10 days, you could create multiple organ failure, acute kidney failure, and heart failure in those patients. So as you pump these patients in America in hospitals full of this drug, you're going to have a whole bunch of people dying as a result of having their organs shut down. And then they were going to be able to sell you the whole mass media they had to sell the United States on the fact they had to scare our society, our country to death, that there's this incredible virus killing all these people. They're all ending up in hospitals and they're all dying. No, they're not. They're not dying from the virus. They're dying from being poisoned to death. And I've been trying to warn the public nonstop. If you want to stay alive, your best chance is staying out of the hospital. They are being incentivized at hospitals to murder you, to medically kidnap you, and destroy you so they can continue their narrative. It's a very evil, corrupt, entire pandemic. You're right. So that's what I've been doing nonstop. So I'm trying to be a resource for people to help them understand what they need. And we'll come back to this. You have some questions you wrote me. We'll come back to this website later because there's certain documents on here on that resources tab that everybody needs to have in America. And I've been pumping them out nonstop because this is going to be your best bet to have any legal recourse later against hospitals that are going to try to hurt you. You know, first the media had to prime us, though, didn't they? Um, Because I remember back in November, December 2019, um, we were seeing videos coming out of China of people dropping over dead in the street, 
people being hauled off by guys in hazmat suits, uh, loaded into vans and taken away, uh, people being locked down in their apartment buildings, doors being welded shut. Um, they had to scare us in November and December and January and February so that we were ready for that two weeks to flatten the curve when March came around. Isn't that what, I mean, you were talking about China. This is a country that has probably the, the worst censorship in the world. They, they don't let anything negative about their country get out, but all of a sudden we're seeing every, every day people dropping over dead in the streets in China. So I have my doubts as to those video, uh, the authenticity of those videos that we saw back way oh, back so then. Oh, so do I, and you should. You know. And maybe we'll get into it, maybe we won't. I've never actually shared this uh, publicly, but um, uh, the hospital protocols you're talking about um, is actually what killed my father-in-law also. So... But um, sorry to hear that. Yeah, the know, whole reason why I'm even in this movement is because in early February 2020, before COVID hit Texas, my father-in-law, 90 years old, totally healthy, living on his own independently with his wife, walked into a hospital all on his own, complaining of fever and a headache. And over a nine-day period, they murdered him with ill-advised hospital protocols. Now, I called them out on all their hospital protocols, changed those protocols, my father-in-law started making improvements for the first day on day, day seven. Uh, up until that point, from day one, he was diagnosed with the flu. Second day, he was diagnosed with pneumonia. Day three, he was diagnosed with acute kidney failure. Day five, they called us to say he's now going unconscious. They're having to vent him because he can't breathe. Only to find out on day six when I went up there that there was a drug they had him on from day one that causes acute kidney failure. And when he shut down the kidneys, his lungs started filling up with fluid on day two. And they misdiagnosed that as pneumonia. They even put that on the death certificate. They actually kicked me out of the hospital on day seven. After 24 hours, I made them shift all of the treatments, take them off that drug they had them on from day one, had them give him something they weren't giving him, which is called Lasix, to remove the retained water out of his lungs. And within a four-hour period, he lost 20 pounds of water weight he'd accumulated in six days from the drug trauma causing acute kidney failure. And the respiratory therapist that had been treating him for five days said for the first time ever after four hours of treatment with Lasix, he confirmed that all crackling mucus pneumonia symptoms that he'd been hearing in the lungs for five days had all cleared up in four hours. They then took him off the forced air and he could breathe on his own for the first time in five days. Isn't this miraculous? We get them to keep him on Lasix. At least I get them to commit to doing that on that same day seven. I get home with my wife. Four hours later, after we get home at nine o'clock at night, the nurse's station calls us and tells us that the hospital administrators are banning permanently Lasix treatment with my father-in-law. Do you want to know why? Because they were hmm. covering up the liability that they had actually created the downfall of his health over the last seven days with this protocol. And I proved it to them and showed it to them what they were doing. They then kicked me out of the hospital when I went up there the next morning. They had me escorted out by security. And over the next 48 hours, convinced my wife's family to continue the hospital protocols. And at the end of 48 hours said, it's time to put him on a morphine drip and let him pass peacefully. Which, in fact, morphine overdose over a four-hour period, it paralyzes your diaphragm and it stops your heart from contracting. Morphine is a euthanizing drug. You use that to murder people. And that's what they did to try to cover up their liability. Well, what happened in the hospital in nine days to my father-in-law, the experience that I had, three months later, I'm reading Anthony Fauci's mandates on this one drug called remdesivir, only to find out that two studies he quoted actually proved that that drug did exactly the same thing that the drug did to my father-in-law in the same time frame. Days three, four, and five, acute kidney failure will be diagnosed. By day six, seven, you'll have to vent them. Well, now they're just remdesivir treating them on day one and venting all, all patients at the same time. And hospitals are being incentivized by Medicare to actually do this to every Medicare aid patients on day one when they walk into the hospital. So be ready. We're going to try to protect your life and save your life. But I am not going to sit back for a second. And I haven't since May 2020. Well, I am not going to sit back and let them kill one more innocent American or anyone worldwide. I can't tolerate it. Your father-in-law's story and my father-in-law's story are very, very similar. Um, I don't, 
I'm sorry I don't want to get into it. I don't want to get into it right now. But uh, Doug, Doug, let's bring Doug in here. I'm sure you have some questions. Uh, well, yeah, and, and that, that's horrible. I, and I, I can't understand how a hospital can ban the use of Lasix, uh, Lasix, Lasix for the. Uh, uh, was it was it just in that that situation, or was it like a administrative edict uh, across the board there? No, so I don't know if you know this, but there's an antibiotic called vancomycin, and they put my father-in-law on this drug on day one when he was diagnosed with the flu. Now, just so you know, antibiotics are not warranted against viruses. They only treat bacteria. So this was a bad idea. But the hospital protocols that are all set up by digitized electronic records, when you type in the flu as the diagnosis, the medical system online populates the treatment. And the hospital treatment included three antibiotics including vancomycin for the flu. Now, vancomycin is known to cause acute kidney failure in 10% of all people you give it to from the first day you start giving it to them. So this is what I knew they were giving this to him. My, my, uh, my challenge to them to use Lasix and get them off of vancomycin, they did take them off of vancomycin on day seven. At the same time, they put them on Lasix that they weren't going to do, but what the hospital administrators said when they told the nurse's station to call us that night after we left, after they committed to us, they would keep him on Lasix to continue watching his improvements. What they said was, is there is a known side effect long-term of too much use of Lasix can lead to furthering acute kidney failure. Well, this is ironic. Vancomycin is known to cause acute kidney failure, and they've had him on that since day one, and they were not going to change that protocol until I called them out on it. They then were going to ban Lasix under this suggestion that they were aware that Lasix could further acute kidney failure that was only being caused by the vancomycin drug. I just had them take them off of. So they used the same rationale to actually use one drug that causes acute kidney failure called vancomycin and then use the same argument as the counter argument to continuing Lasix that was improving his life in four hours and got him off the vent air. Harry, this is is the same criminal thing that's happening in every hospital around this country. And now there's 800,000 dead Americans. 90% of them are dead from remdesivir poisoning. And we have all the statistics to prove it from Medicare's own database. If if I can, I've got one question. Um, Okay. So, so remdesivir, I'm not sure if if you folks heard uh, Gilead recalled voluntarily recalled two batches today because of uh, some sort of glass contamination. So two lots apparently have been recalled, but, but, but how is this even possible with remdesivir given the track record with Zika and all of that, where the CDC actually spent, I believe it was $79 million, um, gave that to Gilead, uh, Gilead, of course, having, uh, Bill and Melinda Gates, they've got a $6.5 million stake in Gilead and, and remdesivir being a product of Gilead. They roll out remdesivir. It's three thousand to five thousand. It's my understanding um, dollars per regimen, and this does nothing but kill, but but kill the patient. How how is it possible where doctors are overruled? Because I know a couple of doctors who uh, are fighting against remdesivir, uh, where the administrator comes in and says, "No, no, no, no. You use this contrary to whatever you might see, think, or hear," and, and, and it's it's a, you're right. It's a, it's a death mechanism but um we're we're actually going to get into that doug uh we're going to have something here that's going to blow your mind um okay hospitals are taking a bribe which uh brian knows about um but harry has a question this is uh probably a rhetorical question i'm sure it has a lot to do with politics but so much is known about this now why can't somebody somewhere shut Fauci down and all the others down? What, what, what keeps him above the law when he's obviously breaking it? And there's, there's enough proof out there that nobody's doing anything with it. Why not? Yeah, he's been doing know. this for decades. And um, it, Doug and uh, Dr. Artis can both tell you about the thousand children Fauci killed in, in New York um, with the uh, AIDS experimentation. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I'll tell I, you that uh, 
it's one thing that human beings in America, I know they love crime stories. They love serial killer documentaries. They like these FBI, CIA profiling shows <laughs> to try to understand the mind of a killer. And these profilers always talk about an individual, once they find they're successful at murdering people and getting away with it, they'll use the same MO every time. Anthony Fauci, since 1984, he actually found back then that he could actually blame a disease on another virus that you can't see called HIV. And then he could sell the world a solution for this HIV, which he said is converting into a condition called AIDS. And that he had this miracle drug that was going to stop the AIDS process, which was just a long-term detrimental effect of the virus, HIV. He said he had a miracle drug called AZT. AZT is responsible for killing 11 million people worldwide. If you look at the side effects of AZT, they are the description of the signs and symptoms of AIDS. He used that drug to cover up all the deaths that he actually was blaming on a virus. He got away with it then. He's doing the same thing now. He figured out it worked then. We're going to actually tell the whole world there's this virus going around the world that's killing everybody. They're going to have to go into a hospital, and then we're going to inject them with a drug called remdesivir, but we're going to blame it on the virus. He's done it before, and he was trying then to push a HIV vaccine. He's doing it now with a COVID-19 vaccine, which, yes, he has financial stake in all over the place. It's disgusting. On all of it, Gilead, the Moderna shots, uh, they're all tied in it. It's pretty awful. But anyway, it's the same MO. He's the greatest serial killer on American soil ever. And he has an accomplice now. His accomplice is Chiquita Brooks Lesore. She's the head administrator of the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. You know, we learn on Dateline shows, NBC, all these uh, periodical news outlets. Uh, we, we learn that if you pay someone to murder someone, that's called murder for hire, and they're just as guilty and go to prison. Well, bribing hospitals with a bonus payout to choose remdesivir over other drugs uh, should be a crime, and she should be held liable. That's Jaquita brooks Lasore. We should hold her guilty. Her and Anthony Fauci need to be on death row. That's what I say. All right. I'm committed to that end, by the way. Murder is not okay. I've read the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not kill. I remember that. All right. So remdesivir, that's the official hospital protocol used all over the country. Not allowed to use anything else in most hospitals. And the media keeps telling us that ivermectin is not approved. But we know better, don't we? Yeah, um, we do. I found it. <laughs> if, we can, if we can bring up that, uh, that uh, webpage, uh, Spencer, uh, the NIH. There we go. Tell us about this, uh, Brian. Well, this is the cms.gov website. If you go back to the chart. Yeah, we want the other, the other website. There the we blue go. One. There you go. All right, so this here, if you look at the, at the left, you'll see Table 2E is the title. Look right underneath there. This is last updated July 8, 2021. And I want to bring everybody's attention at the screen. I want you to look at the top at the URL on the screen, like the address. It actually says covid19treatmentguidelines.nih.gov. I hope all of you know what the NIH is. The NIH is the National Institutes of Health. This is where Anthony Fauci works. He's one of the director. He is the director of one of their departments. He's not the head of the NIH. He is the head of the National Institutes of Allergies and Infectious Diseases Department. But he has, from the beginning, been putting out the mandates for all treatment of COVID-19 patients nationwide. All right. So as of July 8, 2021, on the NIH's website, as you can see, they have a title of the characteristics of antiviral agents that are currently, with two distinctions, approved or under evaluation for the treatment of COVID-19. And some people want to debate me on this. This is really funny. This is on NIH's website right now. It is. It lists on this chart three drugs that are approved or under evaluation for the treatment of COVID-19 in hospitals in America. The first drug you'll see here, look at the blue banner, is remdesivir to the left. Underneath where it says dosing regimens, they're highlighting it for you here, it says remdesivir. And then it will tell you how to actually dose it and treat patients in hospitals. 
but I want you to go to the right underneath adverse events. And I want you to highlight the second bullet point. The second bullet point is ALT and AST elevations. AST and ALT are liver enzyme activities. This tells you you have liver toxicity and your liver is going to fail. If you if your numbers for your liver ALT and AST go up three to five times normal, you are threatened with death, sudden death, as a result of liver toxicity. Now, I want you to go even further to the right and go down one, two, three, four bullet points on the next column. All right, so remdesivir. May, it says here, may need to be discontinued if ALT level increases to above 10 times the normal level. I just want you to know, France did a study in September of 2020 with five patients on remdesivir in Paris, and they found two of the five patients in less than 10 days had ALT numbers that went up three to five times, and the patients were on the brink of death, so they took them off the drug early. But in America, they let it go up 10 times normal is the upper limit. Okay, I just had to show you that. Now, let's go back to adverse events, the column to the left, and go to the fifth bullet point down, and we're going to highlight the first statement, just the first part of it. Drug vehicle for remdesivir is SBECD, which has been associated with renal and liver toxicity. Really, the NIH knows this drug causes liver and kidney failure. It actually mentions liver issues twice underneath adverse events, and acute kidney failure or worsening kidney failure three times as side effects to remdesivir. All right, now I want you to slide up on this chart. Let's see what the number two drug on the NIH's website is for treating hospitalized Americans for COVID-19. Oh my goodness, seriously, it's ivermectin. It even gives you the doses for ivermectin. It's 0.2 milligrams to 0.6 milligrams uh, for every kilogram of body weight, which is 2.2 pounds. And then it says, it's supposed to be given as a single dose every day for five days only. And then look at the side effects. I just have to look at the side effects here. There is no mention of kidney failure, liver toxicity, none of it. It actually says, generally well tolerated is the very first one. You have to understand right now there's 63 studies from 18 countries confirming ivermectin stops SARS-CoV-2 virus infection disease process called COVID-19 in two days or less. There's also 63 studies from 18 countries confirming ivermectin stops the transmission of SARS-CoV-2 and its spike proteins in two days or less, even in households with other family members. That's how good ivermectin is. You know what's amazing about this? On every fact sheet published by the FDA, it actually says for every Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson Johnson COVID-19 shot currently, even right now, it actually states on the fact sheet that none of these shots actually stop you from getting COVID-19 and they don't prevent you from transmitting it to someone else. That's, that's pretty awesome. Why are we suggesting we use them then if they don't stop the spread? I thought we were using these to stop the pandemic. Ivermectin has been proven to do that. It's on the NIH's website. And I have to tell you, I've been telling everybody since I found this chart about three months ago, I've handed this chart to senators, legislators, attorneys all over the place, medical doctors all over this world, literally. And the reason why we're sharing it with everybody is the NIH isn't making the media know, nor are they telling hospitals that ivermectin is approved. They have it buried on their site. And I tell everyone at home to print out this chart because if you end up going to a hospital, you better pull this out and show it to people because the doctors don't know other than what their administrators and bosses are telling them is the only protocol for COVID, which is remdesivir. And I have to tell you, in the last two days alone, I have received texts from personal people I know, both in the media and just personally, who when they had a loved one being challenged in a hospital to receive remdesivir by doctors, all they did was hand them this chart and said they wanted ivermectin. And in three cases in the last 48 hours alone, just people I know per personally, this chart blew the doctor's minds. They had no idea this was on the NIH's website. And they actually stopped recommending remdesivir and gave them the ivermectin. And they actually went home within two days. Hmm. This is how powerful this chart is. The doctors are not being told the truth. And so when you look at this, I just want you to know, Remdesivir is the first drug listed, ivermectin is number two, and then you'll see this third drug called netazozanide, something, however you pronounce it. 
these two medications are actually both antiparasitics, but they have this side benefit called being a zinc ionophore. These drugs force more zinc into cells, and zinc is the only thing that stops the replication of viruses. So the benefit of ivermectin, the benefit of hydroxychloroquine, is it is a zinc ionophore. It helps the cells of the body maintain its zinc concentration. So everybody should be supplementing zinc, period, 50 milligrams to 100 milligrams every day. But I just need to know this chart's available. It's on the NIH's website as equally approved or under evaluation as remdesivir. But no one knows that. So why would hospitals be picking a drug off this list that has known side effects of acute kidney failure, liver failure, when there's a second drug called ivermectin that doesn't have either one of those side effects? We're gonna Why we're gonna answer that question, but we have we have a, a question from a studio audience member here, Russ. Russ, do you have a question? You gotta unmute, unmute yourself. Well, I thought yeah. he had a question. I I did. I, I couldn't there get unmute. I couldn't get the unmute to, to go. But uh, yeah, I want to just. Uh, I don't scratch my head, and I haven't for a long time. Uh, what's going on? Why Fauci is still in there? Why they're doing what they're doing with these drugs that we're talking about now? Why they're suppressing the protocols? Why the mask mandates, the other mandates, all of this is explained by one question. When we understand that, and this is my opinion, when we understand that this is the global deep state at work, the power is demonstrated by what's going on in that deep state. And that's that's all I just wanted to make a comment on. Thank you. Well, and it's uh, follow the money situation, isn't it, uh, Dr. Artis? Uh, that's a big part of this. So even as deep state as it is, it's amazing that they even were brave enough to put ivermectin on this chart and bury it on their site. I, I was so fortunate to find this. I was actually sitting in a hotel room about to walk out the door three or four months ago to walk into a studio to be filmed for a documentary. And I was just messing around on the NIH's website, just clicking one page after another after another. And I saw this little table and it said, click in the middle of it for a chart. And I just clicked it and I was like, what? Hmm. This has been approved and on this list since July. You know how many people have died since July with ivermectin being a resource and nobody's known about it? So anyway, yes, it is deep state. However, he wants to define deep state. It's obviously evil. You don't want to share this information with others. They've been bastardizing ivermectin in the media nonstop since the summer, at least. At least since the summer. As some kind of horse drug. It's on the NIH's website as a approved or under evaluation drug. I want you to scroll back up on the chart where it says ivermectin. I want to make something very clear. It does not say, it says ivermectin adults. It doesn't say ivermectin in the treatment of horses. It says adults. We're talking about a human adults. The NIH is not a veterinarian organization. <laughs> they represent only human health. And this drug won the Nobel Prize in 2015 for curing two human diseases. It has been FDA approved for 20 years, on the market for 40 years. It's been given out 4.4 billion doses. <laughs> it's amazing, these safe drugs. It's amazing. Anyway. So deep state, yes. The incentive, why would hospitals be picking remdesivir? That's where you get into the next chart that you had up on the screen. There's a reason why hospitals are doing it. Yeah, Spencer, if you can throw that one up there for us. There we go. So Here is, is the smoking gun. This is the smoking gun. So underneath the CARES Act that was signed around COVID, it allows for the CMS.gov to now bribe additional add-on payments to already prescribed or used medications. So there are set guidelines by the NIH. Anthony Fauci says there's this one miracle drug called remdesivir. It's the only drug all hospitals are allowed to use. Now, what's amazing about this is, is if this is the mandated protocol for all Americans still, why, are, why is the CMS having to bribe hospitals to use it? with a 20% bonus payout. Don't you think it'd be better if Medicare tried to save its own money without having to incentivize hospitals to use it? If you keep scrolling up on this page, right where it says coding for NCTAP, right there, just stop there. 
It says NCTAP claims are those that are eligible for the 20% add-on payment under the CARES Act. Eligible claims have both of the following. ICD code, second bullet point. These are the PCS codes for remdesivir. If you give us the diagnosis code right above there of U07.1 for COVID-19 and then treat them with remdesivir, we'll give you the 20% bonus payout. When you look at the chart below there, the first two codes right there are what hospitals need to put on their Medicare claim forms in order to get their 20% bonus payout. Isn't it disgusting? Medicare has paid out this year alone for 142,000 prescriptions of ivermectin. The average daily dose of ivermectin to Medicare-aged Americans has been $24 a day. If you look back at the NIH chart, they recommended five days of ivermectin to treat COVID-19 patients in hospitals. If you took five days of treatment and multiplied that times the already paid out $24 for ivermectin a day for 142,000 prescriptions this year, it would cost Medicare $125 max for a five-day treatment. Do you know what they're paying? Medicare is paying for five days of remdesivir? $2,400. You add the 20% bonus payout, that's another $600. You're now up to $3,000. Why would it benefit Medicare to pay out $3,000 for every Medicare-aged American when you have an option, and the NIH even says it, for a drug called ivermectin that you already pay for prescriptions for that's even cheaper. And that drug is less dangerous. I would like you guys to answer that for me. <laughs> Where's the common sense in this? You know, I've heard for the last 20 years, I'm only 45 years old. I've heard for the last 20 years of my adult life that they were scared with Medicare and Social Security. They were worried about funding to be able to handle the baby boomers. This appears to be an investment in trying to weed out the elderly, like intentionally. In fact, when we looked at New York State alone since the pandemic, when they declared in May 2020, Anthony Fauci, this is the only drug we're going to use, all Medicare-aged patients that have been treated in the state of New York, which is the first one we've completed, every 65-year and older Medicare patient treated with five days of remdesivir, 26.9% of all of them died. The virus kills less than 1% of all people. Well, I just gave you that statistic. The statistic I've been giving since May 2020 was that in the March 2020 Gilead self-funded study with 53 COVID-19 patients, when they gave them remdesivir for five to 10 days, the report was, and the conclusion was, 31% of all people experienced multiple organ failure and acute kidney failure in five to 10 days. Some patients needed to have kidney transplants. That's how bad the toxicity was. So I have said nonstop, the threat is going to be at least 30% of all people that get on this drug are going to die from acute kidney failure. They're going to flood their lungs with water with the saline water they have hooked up as an IV water bag. They're going to call it secondary COVID pneumonia, and it is not. It is pulmonary edema. They are flooding the lungs with water as they shut down the kidneys and they're going to diagnose them. This is no joke. I've said it from the beginning. They're going to diagnose them with a death certificate that states complications of COVID-19, second cause of death, acute kidney failure, third cause of death, complications of severe COVID pneumonia. It's exactly what I said. Why? Because this is exactly what they did to my father-in-law. It's the exact same thing. They covered up with the death certificate, the real cause of his death. At least they tried to. And I've been exploiting nonstop ways to try to get around it and try to bring uh, awareness to the masses that there's options for you. Now, while we're on this topic, it is still today the hospitals are the worst place you could pick to be treated for COVID-19. If for any reason you think you need to go to a hospital, I'm just going to tell you right now, Hospitals right now are not only being bribed with a remdesivir payment, like we just showed you by CMS, the federal government is also bribing hospitals with a bonus payout monthly if they will just PCR test every single patient that walks in the door. If they can report back that they've done PCR tests on everybody, they get a big lump sum of money. 
if they get diagnosis codes like you just saw on here, if you can just the first bullet point on this chart you're looking at right here. The first one was if you can give a diagnosis code U07.1, if you can just diagnose them with COVID-19, we'll give you an additional 20% bonus payout for that code over any other diagnosis like the flu or pneumonia. If you'll just put that one down, we'll give you an additional 20% bonus payout from Medicare. They're being incentivized to also, if the hospital can report to the federal government every month that 100% of their staff are COVID-19 vaccinated, they get an additional large payout, which is why, now explains to me, I just learned this two weeks ago, now it explains why hospitals have been okay letting staff walk who were not going to get the jabs. It is actually in law right now. They are paying hospitals to just report that all of their staff is vaccinated. Hmm. So if some walk, they can still show that 100% of them are actually vaccinated. And so they wow. get an extra bonus payout. This is the only way they would be okay with allowing employees to walk is if they weren't getting bonus. They're getting extra bonus money. They are, they are being completely incentivized also to vent you. So if they get you on remdesivir and vent you, the vent alone is an additional $39,000 payout per patient. So they are, they are literally set up do more harm than to benefit you so so how do these doctors do this in good conscience or do uh, they just not know either they don't have a conscience but nothing allows them to be uh, forgiven or to be to allow me to turn another blind eye or to allow them to turn a blind eye yeah the number one thing that we find and the, all the doctors that are with me, like Dr. Peter McCullough and Richard Bartlett, all these doctors that are with me that go around to all these events, speaking on these hospital protocols. The one thing they all say to me is, do you know why we are the only doctors speaking out about this and not the ones in the hospital? Because we don't work in a hospital. They're not employees of a hospital. And so, and that is very true. It's, about the only reason why they're not their licenses are being threatened their livelihoods are being threatened that if they do not follow these protocols so the hospital gets these incentives from the government if they don't their bosses called the hospital administrators you have to remember the doctors are employees their bosses tell them what to do and if they don't they hold their license over them they hold their job over them and most of these medical doctors are stretched beyond their means already that's how most medical doctors live they uh, have second homes, they have boats, they've got kids in college. They don't want to feel the threat or burden financially if they walked away. That does not excuse them for what they're doing. I actually gave them forgiveness for about three to six months after the May memo went out in 2020. But after watching every single patient and watching so many patients experience acute kidney failure within three to five days, be vented and then die within 10 days, you're up at 800,000 now. There's no way uh, that they could, they, should, they could be able to sit back and think that they're holding true to their Hippocratic oath by doing no harm. They know and just to be clear, dying. these people are not dying from COVID. They are not dying from COVID. Nope. No, no. COVID is a boogeyman. Um, we're, we, we're down to about six minutes. Um, oh, Dr. Artis, if can you I can tell us. Else? Yeah, I'm, I'd, I'd like to know what you know about the jabs. Oh, yeah. Let's, let's go there. All we've, right, so. we've heard about uh, graphene oxide, and now we've heard about graphene hydroxide in these things. We've heard about some, some say there's parasites in here. Some say there isn't. What's the deal? Yeah. So just so you know, all the lots for the vaccines are not the same. So you've got some that have nothing in it, some that are just saline water that have been evaluated. There's some well, that Obviously, have- if, you, if you had the real thing in, a, in, in all the lots, everybody would be dead (laughs) you can't kill them all at once you got to give them some of them saline and it's unfortunate that most people don't understand this about vaccines i've been studying vaccines for 20 years i haven't vaccinated a kid of mine one of my five kids in 20 years i have an issue with all the vaccines and the cdc's lies about the benefits of the vaccines i've had i've been exposing those to patients for the last 20 years this is no surprise to me they've done it the whole time but the lots during an emergency use authorization which is this experimental period with these shots They are not none of them FDA approved. Don't be fooled. They're none of them FDA approved. The Pfizer-BioNTech is not FDA approved. Just read the fact sheet from the FDA. It actually says the Pfizer-BioNTech shot is emergency use authorization only. It is not approved. It isn't. Never has been. 
So these shots are underneath the emergency use authorization because of this emergency, supposedly. Underneath the emergency use authorization, these three companies, Johnson Johnson, Pfizer, and Moderna, were allowed to pump these vaccines into the masses. While in that period of the emergency use authorization period, vaccine manufacturers can actually change all of their ingredients the whole time. They have to stop changing the ingredients only once there is an FDA approval process. Once it gets approved, then in the future, if they want to change it, they have to set up their own clinical trials, pay for the funding for those, prove they're safe and effective, and then FDA allows them to change the ingredients. During the emergency use authorization, they don't have to do any of that. Once they're awarded the EUA, emergency use authorization, they can change their formulas. Moderna's December 14th shot of 2020, the first one that went out, it actually had listed in it two patented ingredients. Do you know how many patented ingredients there are now in the Moderna shot? Supposedly the same shots. Now there's seven. Well, what are the other five? They haven't even had to disclose what those are. They can add to, take away, change all they want to. There's no way all these shots are the same. Zero, none of They are designed, the mRNA tech is designed to cause harm. I will tell you, it doesn't matter what's in there that they're not disclosing. What they have disclosed is enough. The mRNA technology inside of Pfizer and Moderna, the mRNA vaccines, the American Heart Association, look it up. Their circulation journal, they put out an article on November 8th of this year, of last month. And it actually states in the summary of the abstract of their research paper, the American Heart Association says that the mRNA vaccines dramatically increase inflammation of heart muscle, leading to thrombosis events, blood clotting disorders, leading to cardiomyopathy. I'm quoting, by the way, cardiomyopathy is heart disease and other vascular events, which includes strokes and heart attacks, following vaccination of the mRNA shots. Now, this is very important because if these dramatically increase damage to heart muscle, this should be a concern to all grandparents, parents, teachers of children. They have now extended, as of October 26th, the FDA did, putting all these shots with the mRNA only. They only authorized Pfizer shots. That is an mRNA shot to all five to 11 year old children in this country, knowing that the CDC has a report from August 18th that myocarditis, heart inflammation, which the American Heart Association just talked about and published. The CDC knew in August that teenage boys, they were seeing 20 times the expected heart inflammation called myocarditis in seven days after the second Pfizer shot than what they expected to see. 20 times for all teenage boys. For teenage girls, it was five times what they expected. Well, the truth is myocarditis is zero expected in all teenagers and children. Zero. It never happens. It's extremely rare. It never happens. Why would the CDC be okay with expecting the Pfizer shot to do this to some kids and then report it's actually 20 times what they expected to see in boys and five times more in girls? The, the shot itself, the mRNA, is toxic. It's dangerous. It causes your body to actually convert into spike proteins, 50 billion of them. And those spike pr proteins per the Salk Institute are proven to cause inflammation of the brain, heart, kidneys, spleen, bowels, kidneys, 28 different organs in your body. The spike proteins. These shots only make your body make spike proteins. And then your body produces antibodies to attack itself. So it's just a disgusting thing. Inside of the Pfizer shots is the, Moderna, is the mRNA. Inside the Moderna shots is the mRNA. Johnson & Johnson has something called the transgene. Now, I want to tell you what we know is in them that is a problem outside of the mRNA. Pfizer and Moderna has an ingredient called polyethylene glycol 2000. They also have in the Johnson & Johnson shot a chemical called polysorbate 80. Do you guys know what those chemicals are used for? They're put into shots to punch holes in your blood-brain barrier so that the mRNA particles can get up there, the transgenes can get up there, and if there is graphene oxide or graphene hydroxide in the shots... Those metals can also make it through the blood-brain barrier and affect your neurological systems also. They are only in the shots to permeate or punch holes 
in tissues so the delivery of the ingredients can reach certain areas of the brain. And those ingredients are proven to do that. Well, I've said it before. The uh, COVID was made for the shot, not the other way around. Absolutely. Doug, do you have any closing thoughts, comments, I, questions? I do. On the DrArtistShow.com, this is very important. Because if people need to go to the hospital, if they sprain their ankle, I'm telling you, they're incentivized to PCR test 100% of everybody that goes in there, no matter what your reasoning. So they want to PCR test you, then put you on a COVID protocol, or remdesivir, and vent you. It doesn't matter who you are. On the yep. DrArtistShow.com, I mentioned how to set up a username and password and sign back in. That resources page appears. Please click that button. Yep, I've, I've done that last week. I did I want that you last to week. Scroll up for me. This is very important. Scroll up, scroll up. I want you to look at the column on the right and I want you to go to the last two documents. Keep going. These are tons of COVID resources. All right, go up right there. All right, the last two forms on the right one's called the Medical Directive to Physicians form and the Medical Power of Attorney form. If you would like to open the medical directive to physician form, it's helpful for you to see. Everyone should be printing these two forms and have them in their house signed and then notarized. Stay right there on that chart. Page one. This is a directive to all hospitals before you show up what you are going to consent to to allow the hospital to do to you. Remember, they're being incentivized to poison you. So this is created by an attorney named Kelly Sorrell. She created this for us and a whole bunch of people but I actually put these on our site as a resource. The first bullet point, you'll see there's five of them that you initial sign and then the second page is to have it notarized. I need to read this to you, the first bullet point. If I am diagnosed with COVID-19, a variant or afflicted with an ailment derived thereof, either determined through testing positive with a PCR test, or if you determine that I presumably am positive as defined by my symptoms, I intentionally and specifically reject the use of remdesivir or the use of a ventilator as a treatment option or any other treatment method that is being utilized that is resulting in a high injury or death rate. You better have this signed and notarized before you go in or else they're going to put you on remdesivir. If you have this signed form, this form signed and you go in, this allows you to actually file battery charges legally against the hospital if you find out they went against your directive. I want you to go up to the fourth bullet point here if you'll scroll up a little bit. This is important for everybody to know. Number four, it says, I do not consent to receiving any vaccine for COVID-19 while being admi admitted to any medical or psychiatric facility. You don't know this, but most hospitals in this country on the intake form, there's these little bitty disclaimers on that form that you don't read that says by signing this form, you consent to allowing this hospital to give you the COVID-19 vaccines without your vocal consent. So we included this here because we want to make sure you're protected. And then you can have legal recourse later. This is one form. The other form, the second one that was on that list is the medical power of attorney form. Hospitals, it's been standard procedure for decades to have those available for patients to be able to pick up or have a family member designated while they're at the hospital. You used to walk up to the front desk and go, I need a medical power of attorney form and they'd hand you one. The hospitals are no longer doing that. They're stripping that right from you. So you better have this form with you when you go. Designate someone that you trust who has a, a strong constitution and a backbone to be your medical power of attorney, designate that person and notarize those two forms, have them at home. You have to behave like your loved one or yourself is in the third trimester of your pregnancy. And at any moment, your water might break and you get that little travel bag ready. You need those two forms and you need to have them in a folder, sign, notarized, go to your bank, get it notarized. They'll usually do it for free and have those two forms with you. I would also recommend printing the NIH forms that we actually showed already and the CMS.gov 20% bonus payout. I have told millions of audiences, take those two forms, tell the hospital and your doctors that your life is not for sale and your loved one's health is not for sale either and hand them the CMS form and say, we know you're being bribed to poison us with remdesivir. You're not going to use it. And when they say, well, ivermectin is not approved. You just hand them the other form and go, well, actually it is. It's right here on the NIH's website. It is so unfortunate that we now, as lay people, have to do the work that the doctors and hospitals should be doing for us. They are not looking out for yeah. your best interest. It is well, I know we're over time here, Spencer, but uh, um, Doc, I, I just have to wonder how many hospitals would actually admit you if you uh, present these forms or would they turn okay. you away? And then what happens? Yep. And if they turn you away, I'm just telling you right now, 
Your chances of survival from COVID-19 are better if you stay home. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Doug, Doug, finish uh, it up for us. Dr. Artis, thank you so very much. Uh, what is your website for, for those maybe um, uh, visually impaired? What, what is the name of your website or your website uh, URL? Sure. It's actually the, D-R-A-R-D-I-S show.com. The Dr. Artis show.com. And doctor Perfect. is just D-R. Perfect. Okay. Now, you know what, Rob? Brilliant. Uh, magnificent presentation tonight. I, I thought that, that was just fabulous. Uh, leave, leave it to Wisconsin Christian News to bring out the uh, movers and shakers in this. Well, he's, and, and he's got a lot more uh, that we could, we could do three hours here. But uh, unfortunately, we're, we ran out of time about, uh, I, I don't know, a while ago. So, <laughs> Dr. Artis, thank you for being here. Doug, thanks for being here. Thanks for everybody tuning in. Next week, we will be back uh, with uh, Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North as our guest, and we may have a few other things up our sleeve as surprises, too. So thanks, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye. Thank you.